welcome to episode 74 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, everybody joining me today is a guy that I have known to some degree for about 20 years. Uh, that is Chris Zacker, who is local to the Sussex County music scene. Has been in a bunch of bands in this area. Currently the frontman of the band Frankie Goes to Dollywood. And it was real cool to get Chris on the show. This one was a, a bit less, I want to say scripted than the other ones, but I didn't really write any questions down. I just kind of wrote down some bullet points and, and had a conversation. And usually doing that scares me a little bit. I like to be more prepared than that. But I think this came out really well. And I think that you guys are going to enjoy it. I do want to let you know that it was recorded initially back in August. It was planned to be released sometime in the month of October during Ren Fair, since I was going to be too busy to release any episodes during Ren Fair, but time got away from me and I'm just getting it out now. But again, I hope that you'll enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Chris. What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am once again here at home on Skype. I'm not drinking any beer from Ghost Talk right now because it's 10 a.m. and if I did that, it would be a problem, but you should definitely still go check out Ghost Hawk Brewing in Clifton, New Jersey. Their shit is fantastic. Uh, joining me on the show today is uh, someone that I was just uh, saying I've, I've, I've known in some, some way, shape, or form for, for about 20 years now, uh, Chris Zacker. What's going on, Chris? Hey, how's it going, man? How's oh. it going, man? I, am, uh, I, I wish I was drinking Ghost Hawk as well. I'm just sitting down with a nice cup of coffee because it is 10 a.m. and it's early for rock and roll. So, <laughs> yeah, I was I went. It's funny. I went down there over the weekend to uh, see if they had any new. Anytime they put out a new beer, I go and get it. And I know that they had said they had something coming out next week, but I wanted to see if they had something new this week uh, because Ren Fair starts next week, and I'm going to be completely uh, like way too busy to get there for like the next two months. And for the first time ever, I got there. I was like, oh, I actually have all of these beers at my house already. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. I mean, it's good that you already have them. But I, I, I also enjoy getting the brand new beers whenever they come out as well. Yeah, so. actually, when we when we bought our house back in September, I bought a separate fridge that's in the basement that is just for the Ghost Hawk beer, and that's uh, all that's in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's adulting to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So, you know, like I said, you know, we we met each other back back when we used to hang out at the Appalachian Coffee House in Vernon, yeah. New Jersey, back when I was I think at that point I was still in high school. It was my yeah. senior year when when uh John Liddell started uh, taking me there and then I made a made a time of that until they closed down, but that was that was I think the first time that I met you. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, the Appalachian uh, coffee house the, the the one place that brought half of sussex county together it introduced me to my wife as well as a lot of other people so <laughs> my, my wife worked there and made coffee so uh but yeah i i showed up there poof, when uh probably about a year after they opened and was hanging out with lots of people there met a, a lot of cool musicians and stuff and uh i remember like having an acoustic guitar outside yep. most days while smoking cigarettes and drinking copious amounts of coffee while the owner got pissed off that I wasn't buying enough coffee. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> you know, that seemed to be, that seemed to be her. Like, I, I think I only bought, like we would go there on Friday nights and I think I only bought one thing every time we yeah. went there, but we're there till fucking from like 
at least six, seven o'clock until they closed. Yeah, I remember staying there after they closed too. All the lights are off and you're just sitting at a picnic table in the dark. Oh so. yeah, yeah. You know, we we did that too. We because uh, I was under 21 at the time, and mm-hmm. so a bunch of us, uh, one of the other people there that was was older, uh, we would we would always get them to buy beer and then we'd drink behind the coffee house. Yep. And yeah. uh and the owner That's... was not super thrilled by the fact that uh because we were we were stupid kids, you know, we would just drink and then just whip the bottles back into the woods or whatever and then she found yeah. them one day and lost her shit. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Marianne <laughs> was good at that. <laughs> and then and then because my girlfriend at the time and I were fighting, she told Marianne that it was me. And so then she was really pissed at me specifically. And then she found another time that someone had taken a shit on the side of the coffee house. She blamed me for that, too. Oh, uh, no. Turns out it was not me. I mean, I knew it wasn't me, but it turns out it was uh, Andy <laughs> Calipedis. Oh, no, not big Andy. So um, Andy Calipedis was a big dude. I'm, I'm, su- I'm surprised he I'm, I'm not surprised he couldn't make it in the building <laughs> to take a shit. <laughs> no offense to Andy. But one of the funniest stories, Andy was a scary looking dude, too. Uh, I don't know if like this dude was probably he was what? Probably about six, maybe almost, like six, eight, six, nine, yeah. something like that. Uh, one of my friends saw him walking out of a uh, out of a out of a Dunkin Donuts and he had bought like four donuts and he was just like eating them in one bite. <laughs> He's like literally just shoving them in his mouth. My friend goes, hey, fat ass, across the whole parking lot. And he just turns around, beat red, like he's going to kick his ass. And he's like, oh, hey, Bob, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, yeah, next time. He's like, that way, fat ass. When, you know, was it way fat ass? The, when you hit the crunchy thing, it's your fucking hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good shit. But. But yeah, so around that time of the coffee, yeah, I was gonna say you, you were out there with with the guitar most times. I think you yeah. had dreads at the time too, didn't you? I did, I did. That was my uh, my my uh, I guess like dirtbag phase, my teenage dirtbag phase, as they call it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when I when I was at the coffee house, um, I was uh, I, I discovered the wonderful world of uh, of drugs, which is never a good thing. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I did learn a lot from that time period in my life, uh, especially like guitar. I went through like a really crappy time where I, I had a really, I had a decent job and, uh, I ended up leaving that job for, uh, for good reasons, but I'm not going to discuss that, but I left the job. And, uh, when I left that job, I, uh, it was a month before my lease was up. So when I, when they were like, Hey, do you want to renew your lease? I was like, yeah. And they said, well, where are you working now? And I said, nowhere. And they said, well, I'm sorry, you don't have a place to live at the end of your lease period unless you have a job. So I ended up working like part-time actually at that coffee house. And, uh, I ended up losing my, my apartment and lived in the back of a, or I lived out of a Honda Accord for about (laughs) three months and I am six, nine. So, uh, that was not a fun time, but I had an acoustic guitar and I would eat Whoppers with no meat, which were a dollar and where, you know, pick up food at friends' houses, take showers at friends' houses, crash on couches and just play guitar, go to open mic nights 
and uh and really learned a lot about just that instrument and what you know makes people tick you know especially what what people are looking for and uh it was like shortly thereafter like i had been in bands in high school and stuff but it was shortly thereafter that uh i got asked to join two separate bands one was theme for francis which i was jamming with for a little while they're like um a grungy kind of band with uh a bunch of people from from vernon uh, i know uh it was bobby Steele was the uh one of the people in that band so um but yeah it was like a bunch of my friends were in it and the other band was tombstone brawlers so i showed up at tombstone brawlers practice and uh i had a at that point i had gotten myself out of a van and i bought myself a seven string guitar because i was like yeah i'm gonna be cool and play freaking metal and uh and then i show up at a rockabilly band practice with the seven string which uh then promptly got traded for a gretch which i still own to this day but yeah i i got really into that whole psychobilly scene right around that same time period you know cut the dreads off got got myself a pompadour and uh and really got into like that horror psychobilly scene at that point so it's like it's funny because like most of those guys um that would be a call like again going back to the appalachian coffee house like a couple of those guys were close with those friend groups and um i had met most of the tombstone brawlers from the sussex queen because that was like the local diner that was open all night you know everybody's going there after shows and stuff and i'd known the guys that were in the tombstone brawlers for probably oof, at that point probably like three or four years and I knew that they were all in these this awesome these awesome bands and stuff. And um, yeah, I ended up uh, befriending these guys, Bob and Mick, uh, whose parents own the Sussex County Music Store. And uh, and they asked me to join because their guitar player was going to leave the Tombstone Brawlers. So I ended up going to practice and trying out and they were like, wow, you know, we really like the way you sound with our guitar player. And the guitar player was like, you know, I was going to leave, but I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and uh <laughs> i said okay so the two of us made one really good guitar player um that was regis so uh yeah it was uh it was crazy when i joined the tombstone brawlers the reasoning for them hiring a guitar player was because they had signed a deal with a label out of holland uh called tombstone records and they said hey um we got like uh, $5,000 to record a record from these guys. And, uh, we've been sitting on that $5,000 for the past four months. And we're pretty sure this guy is tied to some kind of mob in Russia. <laughs> and we don't want to die. So we would like you to, uh, to record a record. And I said, well, cool, let's do it. So I was in the band for about, uh, I would say a month and a half before we went in the studio and recorded that first tombstone brawlers record which I, you know, one of the songs on that was Die Zombie Bastards. And, uh, and that ended up going for a movie soundtrack for Die Zombie Bastards, which is a, uh, I guess it's like a cult kind of classic, uh, about a, uh, superhero that is, uh, also a cannibal and eats, uh, eats the bad guys, I guess, but <laughs> we are, we are the, we are the menu music. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how sort of everything sort of works. I didn't, I didn't like that. know that you uh so did you ever play with you mentioned themes for francis which i was familiar did you ever actually play with those guys or you went so, with uh, uh, uh so 
the first show I ever played with the Tombstone Brawlers was with Themes for Francis. And um, I had practiced with them for probably about a month and a half. And they, we were get, getting ready to do that show. And the lead singer was like, no, you know, I I'm just don't think you're ready to play out with us. And I was like, well, I'm playing with this other band and, and they want me to play out. So that was sort of the end of my time with Themes for Francis. It was very short lived. I never played out with them. It was always rehearsals. And I played acoustic in all those rehearsals. So, okay. but like those guys like it's funny i uh, like jay tagney who plays drums for those guys he lives like a block away from me now um and he and i have been friends since we were in like eighth grade so it's uh you know it's sussex county everybody knows each other it's it, it's hard to get away from everybody and it's somehow somehow everybody knows somebody in the misfits <laughs> so Okay. <laughs> I feel like I saw, I, I'm fairly certain I saw Jerry from the Misfits at the Sussex County Fair a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably did. You probably did. Um, the Tombstone Brawlers, before I was in it, they rehearsed um, next door to uh, Jerry's uh, metal shop. Okay. So, yeah, they, everybody knows everybody from that. And, like, it's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I know that uh, his daughter went to to Vernon too, and uh, there there may or may have not may not have been like some kind of party that took place that ended up in his backyard while he wasn't there. But uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember because like I, I was saying before we we started recording, like I've known you for a while, but I haven't seen your bands all that much. But I do recall right. that there was because you know Craig was was in a band called sufferance for a bit and they uh you know we were they were really a a fixture in my life for for a while went to meet up with craig in 03 because he was going to go to ozfest with us so he's like oh meet meet me at the house and like when we went to meet him at his house like the night before his band was practicing and from that time on like i was like you know they, they let us watch and it was and so we were there like nearly every practice for like a year and a half just watching them develop and you know so they played a show at the phone booth mm-hmm. and uh tombstone brawlers were on that show and then uh, fuckface was on that show yep and then at one point because you and bob also <laughs> had that thing somewhere I'm between murder and suicide yeah. and then you had Chris Sella from Fuckface come up on stage. Or, well, it was there wasn't a stage, but come up with you guys, and he was in the middle. And then you guys did a song and call and and said that you were Fuckface between murder and suicide. <laughs> yes, yes, that sounds that sounds accurate. I believe that was the show that we did a costume change for every single song that we would do. Yeah, there was uh. So when Bob and I have been friends for again like crap since 1996 maybe 95 something like that and uh and he was sort of my gateway into the tombstone brawlers so when i joined the tombstone brawlers he and i you know we were already friends and we decided that we were going to start writing these stupid comedy songs which uh have not aged well i will tell you um (laughs) but uh we would do those things like, uh, and if you if you get, ever get the first Tombstone Brawlers record and rec- and press rewind on the first track, there's actually a hidden track like that's hidden before the first track. That's a right. some uh, that's a somewhere bef- between murder and suicide uh, song. But uh, yeah, I, it was the somewhere between murder and suicide stuff was uh, that was 
that actually became fairly popular in like local local circles. But it was uh, yeah, it was offensive and it, it it was really fun. We would hijack shows all the time. I remember there was a bar up in uh, somewhere up in like Montague and uh, we heard that Fuckface was playing. And uh, Bob and I rushed the stage wearing like stockings over our heads <laughs> with, our, <laughs> with our instruments. <laughs> we were like, this is a hostile takeover right in the middle of their set and just plugged our stuff in and played like three or four songs and then ran off stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the kind of shit we would do. But yeah, we were doing that alongside you know, Tombstone Brawlers while I'm like learning that stuff and sort of getting accustomed to that. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I remember, you know, Sufferance and Fuckface would play a lot of shows together. And there was a period of time where Dave, the drummer from Sufferance, he had this like Cabbage Patch doll or something. It wasn't exactly a cabbage, but it was like a, it was a doll. And right. he had like drawn facial hair on it and stuff. And no, had said <laughs> and had said that it was, you know, you know, because his name was David. So he said this was this is his twin brother, Devad, and that were they were born attached at the penis. Oh. And and so like they would have this little doll on stage sometimes with them. And then I remember that at one of their shows, Sella from Chris Sella from Fuckface stole it. And mm-hmm. so then like the Sufferance guys stole the the thing that, that Fuckface had on stage, which I think was like it was like a cast of Sella's girlfriend or something. And they had put like it had like a weird head on it and shit. Yeah, and yeah, then like yeah. they had stolen that and then there was this thing where, where they were gonna bring it out on stage during a, a show at the at Connections. It was it was it was a it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, like Sussex County at that point, like all the bands really knew each other really well. Like there was a really cool music scene in Sussex County in like probably like from the nineties until I don't know, like 2000 and, and two, well, maybe a little later than that, like 2001, 2002 is really when it, it sort of died. I remember that, that phone booth show you were talking about when the tombstone brawlers played that show. I, the one thing I remember is that the phone booth said there is no dancing like fucking footloose, man. Like <laughs> you're at a punk show and you're not allowed to dance. You're not allowed to pogo. You're not allowed to go. And it would start a mild pit. And I remember playing and just watching all these the people standing there and somebody started dancing. And uh, at the time, I just joined that band as a guitar player. I was singing backups and there were a couple songs that I would like sing parts of. And I remember somebody started dancing. The bouncer stopped the guy and my uh, my singer in between right before we played the last song was like, fuck the phone booth. We're never playing here again. Like, this is bullshit. And he's like, if you want to fucking dance, dance, because we're never playing here again. And uh, yeah, and he's I remember the bouncers came up to the front of the stage and my my singer at the time started a jig like like the most dumb jig. And the fucking bouncer pulled him out by his face and just threw him on the parking lot while the rest of the band just I ended up taking over lead vocals for it and just sang the rest of the song. I was just like, yeah, this is punk rock. This is what rock and roll is about. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty awesome. But again, like that's what started happening up here. Right. Is that like we used to have Legion Hall shows 
right? We had, there, there was uh, the fire, uh, the fire department in Vernon used to have shows. Like all these places had shows that, that were all age shows that people could go out to check out all local bands. You know, most of them were garbage, but whatever. It was like still, a, it was a rite of passage up here. Even the Ricky Farm, right? Like if you were a hippie, you went to the Ricky Farm, you checked out a bunch of bands. That barn at the Ricky Farm had the best acoustics ever. There was not a band that didn't sound awesome in that place. And slowly, little bit by little bit, like places started getting worried about like, oh, is my insurance going to cover this shit? And the minute that started happening, where like kids started like just being douchebags, you know, and, uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the Woodstock, uh, 2000 or whatever that is, the, you know, like Limp Bizkit comes out and tells you to break shit. You're going to break it. That started happening at Legion hall shows and all that stuff. So they were like, we're not going to do these anymore. And, uh, and little bit, but by a little bit, the, uh, the music scene just dried up and they might not have dried up. It just got pushed underground and everybody started playing all the bars down in, like more of the bars in Passaic, like connections and that place closed down. And then like all these places just started shifting to DJs. So it's, you know, you end up with more like, okay, I'm going to put together a show and, uh, it's going to be at this VFW next week. And, uh, unfortunately like kids just weren't showing up you would get a group of kids that were like yeah live music and other kids that are like yeah i'd much rather like stay home and just fart around on myspace which then turns to i'm just going to fart around on facebook which then turned i'm going to fart around on tiktok so right. <laughs> you know like uh, it sucks i never understood why mountain creek didn't do more shows because there were occasional shows at mountain creek and there then were just yeah, I, from the Tombstone Brawlers, like the Tombstone Brawlers ended up like going through a million. I think we were on Brawler like 23 or Brawler 24 by the time I decided to just kill it. We just replaced member after member and we recorded two records and I was just tired of it. So I ended up uh, starting another band called the Omega Men. And at the same time, I was doing a metal band called Bucket of Sunshine. Yeah. And, uh, I remember we ended up getting a gig for in at that mountain Creek. Uh, we played there twice. One was at like the, I guess that's the North lodge, whatever one is like closest to McAfee. South and lodge. then yeah, South lodge. Yeah. So, um, we played the South lodge once and that was a cool show. And I know they were doing it like weekly, you know, they were doing shows. I, I just think that mo because that was 21 and up it, it like, it, you don't get any kids in there, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the North Lodge, they uh, they did a bunch of outdoor shows. Like there was a coffee house that opened up in there, right? Uh, which Murder and Suicide played a bunch of times. But uh, right across from it was like a small stage that they would set up. And they, um, I remember we played some kind of mayoral like thing there. Like they had all the mayoral candidates because Vernon said they were doing away with political parties. So, um, they were like, we're not Republican, but we're Republican party. And, um, <laughs> you know, that was basically what it turned into. And Jamie Ricky, who runs the Ricky farm was one of the candidates as well. And I remember they like had each candidate come up and talk. And, uh, we were on a bill with, with the, with hot wheels, which was these two brothers who are both in wheelchairs and they are freaking awesome rappers. Uh, I think one of the brothers now is like a self-help guy. 
and the other brother is like i my follow i'm still like friends with them and on facebook the other brother is like still like really awesome rapper and um yeah it's just uh like we ended up playing that thing and we're like that metal band that i had was also in poor taste yeah I, I just remember like how awesome it was except for the fact that again like they were like oh no no we got to make sure everything is like running properly and that you know there's no um there's no kind of uh fun, funny business at these shows so it's like okay well you just alienated any like anybody under the age of 21 because if there's one thing that teenage kids are good at, it's tomfoolery, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's a good way to kill a scene, right? Yeah. Like you, these places that all like cater to, to teenage kids, they're just afraid to do it. And I mean, I get it, but at the same token, it's like, that's how you learn how to be an adult is by making stupid mistakes as a kid. Just nobody wants the liability of it anymore. Because everybody right. knows they're going to get sued to shit if they're like, hey, we discovered that there's like a bunch of kids behind this place drinking and smoking pot and their parents just sued us for not having proper security. You know, like that, nobody wants that. And it sucks. Uh, like from as a musician, like I love playing at shows like that. You know, like I haven't played an all ages show. Well, I play all, all ages shows now, but it, like I haven't played like a punk rock like all ages show in a long time and uh and those are always really fun and yeah they're rowdy and yeah somebody's gonna take an elbow to the face and it's just like but that's sort of what it's about you know like ah it's just it, uh, it's my nostalgia kicking in right now i sound like a like back in my day we used to have <laughs> punk rock shows where people would lose teeth we just got up and picked our teeth up and went to the dentist <laughs> you know uh, uh. But yeah, yeah, so like I said, I went to shows at Mountain Creek a couple of times. One one of those was the South Lodge show where I don't remember who like Themes for Francis played, and I think that because Fuckface had broken up and Sella was in this other other band, uh, Jovian System. Yep. And they yep. played, and then the other time I went to Creek was they did the th- the other thing that you said across from the coffee house in the cobblestone village, yep. and they played there as well. And I think mm-hmm. those are the only two times like I went to to shows there. And I know that he was that was how I had actually found out about Bucket of Sunshine was that I know that he was in that band for a time. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's how because I joined. <laughs> what's that? He was the reason I joined that band. <laughs> But he, you know, I was following him because, you know, Fuckface used to play with Sufferance all the time. And then when they split up, you know, I still followed what he was doing, you know, uh, Jovian System and then Malvador. And then he moved the fuck away. <laughs> yeah, he's in uh, Massachusetts, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a, he I lived with Sella for uh, for a year or so before I got married and uh yeah, no, I, uh, that, that's what I'm saying. Like all of the musicians knew each other, you know, and, um, Sussex County music was re- one of the reasons for that. But honestly, the diner, the Sussex queen diner was like the hub of every musician, like between sufferance. I remember hanging with, uh, with those guys there. I remember hanging in with, uh, with tombstone brawlers before I was in it. Cause it existed for shoot, like probably a year before I joined. And then, like, just all those, like, I'm trying to think of some other bands from back then. Like, you had, like, Super Burka was the big Vernon band. Like, we, but we all knew each other, you know? Like, back in, 
95, 96, it was Watson Poe was like the yep. big, you know, like that was Sella's first project that he was doing, you know? And then you know, there was funny like, about, what's funny about that is that for the longest time, Craig had, he had like a, a boom box or whatever on the back of his toilet. And that tape just sat on top of the, the, on top of it. And I didn't know that it was, it was a band that had anything to do with, with Sella or the guys in Fuckface. And it just, every time I was at Craig's and went to go take a piss, there was that tape. And then like he mentioned, I, and I still haven't heard it, but like he mentioned to me, like, you know, after I had become acquainted with the Fuckface guys, like, Oh yeah, that was, you know, that was their old band. He's like half of them left. And then they became Fuckface. Yeah, well, so half of them left and became Fuckface, and the other half left and became Themes for Francis. So, like, oh. the bass player for Themes for Francis was the bass player for Watson Pope. Okay. So, yeah, it's like, there's so many of those little little bands and like that just sort of like branched out into all these different things and it's it, it like looking at it from the sideline from the for those guys, it's like wow, like just what they did was awesome. Like, I don't know how many people have ever heard that stuff, but it's like those local bands like Watson Poe, those songs were like, like a cross between like, it's dancey and it's like, like, I don't know, it's like grunge and dancey and goth all at the same time. And it was really cool. And like, as a kid growing up with that, like, that was my first foray into like music as far as like local music scene was Watson Poe. Cause, uh, I was a theater geek and all of those guys did the plays and, and musicals and shit. And, uh, and I got to know those guys and got to hear their band and it's like, well, yeah, there's a bit of the, Hey, this is, uh, this is awesome. It's my, my friend's band is doing this. And, you know, like, I, I don't know anybody else that plays music like this. So like some of that is there, but honestly, like their, their drummer was, uh, was just, was the drummer for fuck face. And he, like what he did in Fuckface was completely different than what he was doing in Watson Poe. And Watson Poe, that kid, like Anthony, yeah. he was just really into like rap and like nineties, like not dance, but like, you know, more dancey, like rap type beats. And it's like, he was taking those beats and throwing them over grunge music. And it's like, that's pretty awesome. Like I watched like documentaries about Dave Grohl, and now he's like, yeah, I used to listen to a lot of Gap Band. And it's like, yeah, the Gap Band is like what that beginning of uh, of Smells Like Teen Spirit is. And it's like, oh, shit, he was doing the same kind of thing, only he was just making really rocking beats out of it. But yeah, it's like they, there was like this whole experimentation that was going on in he, uh, like in this county. And um, like there was bands that like did a lot of stuff, right? Like From Good Homes, they're not my cup of tea. But like those guys are still rocking. I think they just played Waterloo Village, which I guess still exists. But they're they're like a touring band. And then you had like the Kind, who were another band from up here back in like the mid '90s. And those guys toured all over the U.S. You had Flatus, which is still you know like comes out every now and again. And I get to go and purchase my CDs from Ted when I go down to Sound Exchange. But like the uh, like as far as punk, like Flatus did a ton of stuff. They were on everything and they were really big in Japan. They just couldn't afford to go there. But uh, yeah, it's like like that mid 90s was like there's just so much cool shit coming out of this county. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sad that uh, that it's not as uh, as big as it is, uh, you know, as big anymore. I think the only thing that you really get up here now is more of like if you go to the Greeks on like a Friday or Saturday night, you'll see some cool stuff. It's eclectic. 
you get a lot of hippie stuff, but then you also get the occasional punk band or like Death Rash or uh, what's another uh, another band? Uh, Your Creepy Neighbor is good. They're like a, a punk cover band, but again, like they they're they're badass. Like there there's still a lot of good music up here. It's just you got to know where to find it. And right. unfortunately, most of the stuff now is just open mics. So. Yeah, you know, it's uh, so I know that, you know, you'd mentioned the Omega Men, which I had Ian on the show when I interviewed Chemical Straightjacket. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was saying he was telling about how he how he joined Straightjacket and how he he's like, you know, this, you know, his his strong opinions on the scene, which is basically everything is cover bands these days. What the fuck? (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm one of those people now. But my cover band is like the anti-cover band. So, <laughs> yeah. How did you guys not to gloss over Omega Men because we didn't really discuss them all that much? But how did how did you know your current band? How how did that idea sort of come to fruition? Basically, what ended up happening was Bob from uh, from Tombstone Brawlers and from somewhere between Murder and Suicide. We had met up at a show when Bucket of Sunshine was playing. And uh, he and I had really not talked to each other for a really long time. When the, when he, he and his brother Mick left the Tombstone Brawlers, we sort of left on, on somewhat bad terms. And I ended up sort of, we, we ended up kissing and make up, right? Like we, we put shit aside and we were like, you know, we really miss playing together. So we decided to go and get Murder and Suicide back together. And we did that. We ended up playing at the Clash Bar in Clifton and we played there once and uh, a bunch of people came out to go see us because they hadn't seen somewhere between murder and suicide in a long time. And I remember playing one of the songs and just finishing it to silence. And I was like, what the fuck has happened? And I went, oh, I know what happened. We are now a PC, <laughs> a PC nation. And I just said some really horrible shit, you know, like stuff that is now taboo to even discuss in public. I have just totally screwed myself. And Bob and I talked after that show at a diner and we were like, you know what? Like we got to write new material because people are thinking that this is really offensive. And it's like, we were always offensive, but like the thing with like murder and suicide, right? We like, there are jokes about pretty much everything, right? Like we, we discuss, we, we really joke more about our own sexuality a lot of the times. And it's like, okay, I'm going to sing a song about a woman with a penis. And that is not going to go over well now. Like people are going to think I'm a bigoted asshole. But if you really listen to the words, you realize that that song, that's not what it's about. It's about like, yeah, uh, there's this woman with a penis and I kind of like it. And, and that's like the, the, the bottom line is like, yeah, you get that if you listen to the words. There was a song we did about like politics, right? And it's like, oh, screw this guy, screw this guy. And uh, or like it's all from the point of view of like somebody that believes in really horrible stuff. But if you start listening to the words, the other person singing the song is the other side of it where they're like, this guy is a racist piece of shit. And it's more like people just don't get that at a show. They're not paying enough attention. So instead, you just come off looking like a total douchebag. We talked after a diner and we were like, hey, um, let's change this thing up. So we were like, you know, people really like some of the covers we did because we used to do a medley in the middle of the thing of like 30 different pop hits from like the 80s to now. And we were like, let's start like just working on that. 
and we started working on it and i remember we started playing oh what the hell song was it some like old 80s punk song and we were like wow that sounds pretty cool as an acoustic song we slowed it down it was sort of it was sort of like cowboyish we're like, you know, maybe we should just do a, like if we're, if he and I, cause I had the Omega men going on at the time. We were like, you know, maybe if you and I just do like some kind of country project, that might be pretty fun. I've, I've always wanted to do a country project, even though I'm not all that into country music other than like Hank Williams and old 1950s stuff. And then like some of the rhinestone cowboy stuff I'm into. So I'm like, all right, why don't we do a country project? And he's like, well, my brother would play drums for that. And I was like, you know, I have, Spencer, my electric guitar player for my psychobilly band, he'd probably be into this too. And around the same time that we were discussing that, my bass player for the Omega Men passed away. And we were sort of in like limbo, right? Like Ian didn't want to go forward with it. He was like, I hate when bands replace people and it's just not the same band anymore. And he's like, I'm done. And I was like, well, that sucks. So we, I was like, I need to do something. Because if I'm not in a band, I am a miserable person to be around. So I called up Spencer, my my guitar player, and I was like, hey, man, do you want to play guitar for this? And he's like, hey, you know, I have a gitjo, which is a six string banjo uh, that's tuned just like a guitar. I could probably play that and it would sound really cool. So we got together and we started playing country music and we sucked at it. We fucking sucked. Like we were like, let's go and play uh, Johnny Cash song or let's play this. And it's like, yeah, we just sound like every other band playing a Johnny Cash tune, you know, like we were like trying to figure out what we we're going to do. And but we still had this one like 80s cover, 80s punk cover that we were doing. And it was like, wow, that song sounds great. and Everything else sounds like shit. So, hey, do you guys want to learn like a Kiss tune? So we started playing Kiss, and we also started playing um, Michael Jackson's song. And as we're like playing it, I'm like, you know, like maybe we just go and start just doing nothing but 80s songs. And one by one, we were like, yeah, you know, like I really like this 80s song and I like this 80s song. And I was like, who doesn't like those 80s songs? Let's just do it. And it was it's really difficult because we were like, how do we get this across in a way that it's still the same song? But it, and it, but it's also good to listen to, you know, like that's, that's my big problem, right? Is okay. You've got like, I don't know, freaking, um, uh, new order, right? Like, so we're, we're like, let's play blue Monday. It's like, oh, how the hell do you make blue Monday into a bluegrass song or a country song? So we're like, okay, well, the banjo sort of fits in that same sonic level as a keyboard. So we're going to give all of the, anything that's ever a synth line or a keyboard line is going to be on banjo. So, because that's equally as annoying sounding in a mix. So we, uh, we, we started doing that and, you know, we, we, we started, we basically came out as, uh, Zach and Loman, and we were playing a bunch of shows like that and people fucking ate it up. They were like, nobody ever plays any of this stuff unless you're a DJ, you know, like we play, you spin me right round. We play like all these, uh, take on me, you know, like we'll, we'll go everywhere. Uh, and we have no problems doing it. And, and it really started taking off. And we we started figuring out like sort of where we sit. And then last year, we ended up signing a deal with a booking agency. And they, you know, part of that deal was that we needed to change our name and hire another person, which we did. We were working with a girl named Debbie, who is uh, also like a Sussex County fixture here. 
and we were working with her for a while. She it ended up not working out with her, and now we we're working with this girl Kelsey, and um and she's awesome. She was I can't I can't remember the name of the punk band she was in, but she also does a lot of uh, of solo stuff here as a singer songwriter. And uh, she ended up pl- picking up the mandolin, and uh, we've been playing with her for like the past two months, and she fits right in. I mean, it, it's really cool. Like we're we're able to go and tackle a lot and basically play music that people love while also like you know it's a love hate relationship with a lot of the songs we play you know like (laughs) we play a lot of cheese in there but uh but yeah it's been uh it's been crazy it's it's been really good and it people are really receptive to it so that's the story of how that happened okay i'm curious and and you don't have to tell or if you don't want to what why did you have to add another person to the band so uh, I'll be honest with, with like going to like, uh, like signing with an agency or something, right? Like there are things that the music industry looks for. And as far as like, when I've been in punk bands and stuff, I give zero fucks, right? Like, I'm like, Hey man, this is what we do. And if you don't like it, go fuck yourself with this. It was like, okay, when you play a place and you have a female in the band, it softens your look. It makes you it, it, like, it's just more approachable right? To a greater amount of people when you have a female in the band. It also adds another layer of harmony. So part of that was you need another member. And if it's a female, that would be awesome because of that, of what I just said, right? In hindsight, they were absolutely right. The sound that we get now with having that extra instrumentation, plus that extra level of harmony, it's like, it's so much better. And, uh, and also having a female in the band means that I can go and play songs that have a female line in it that I don't feel comfortable with one of like mix singing. So I can do, don't you want me baby or obsession and have that female part that everybody's expecting, you know, like they're in the back, they're singing with me. Granted, I take most of the female songs in the band, but like there's plenty of stuff that she's going to be doing moving forward that we're working on now just because like it just fits better. And I really don't want to sing in falsetto. But yeah, it it was like sort of a deal. And it was like, hey, you need a better you need a different name. And just because they wanted something that's like, hey, if somebody sees your band name, they should know what the hell you sound like. Right. So like Zach and the Low Men, they were like, yeah, that's definitely a country band name. But like, do they know that you play 80s covers? And it's like, well, why don't you rename yourself? And um, like, I was talking to one of my friends who, uh, my friend Danimal, who is uh, a very funny dude. And I was like, hey, man, do you know any good names for an 80s bluegrass cover band? And he's like, how about Frankie Goes to Dollywood? And I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> I was like, it's, I'm sold. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we, uh, that's how, uh, how we got our name and why we did all these changes. It's like, like, yeah, there's there's the sort of the level of selling out. But at the same token, it's like there's a reason why selling out like that may it, like why they why it exists. Right. Like I didn't do anything that changed how I play. I didn't do anything is, that's going to change why I play the music. But they were like, hey, get a good look for yourselves. You know, like people want to see stuff. And it's like I'm going to band. Well. Okay, I started playing music because I wanted to get late. Now I'm married and I play music because I like making people happy and I like getting a good crowd response because I'm a glutton for that stuff, right? Like I'll play 15 encores if you want me to play 15 encores. 
like while people are pissed off at my band that I just played 15 extra songs because they all want to go to bed. But yeah, I mean, like I, I did this because like, hey, you know, I like doing it and I like playing in front of people. Right. Like if you're playing to an empty crowd or playing to the same six people every week, that's not a very enjoyable thing. Like if you ask like Motley Crue, if they would like playing, you know, in some basement for the rest of their lives or playing in front of a stadium of people, they probably go with the stadium. And I'm sure that Motley Crue was like, hey, we don't want to go and suck up to the man. But in the same token, they're also sucking up to the man. Right. Because that's sort of the nature of the beast, you know, and it happens with every single band. Right. Like it, I don't care what band you are, like you're going to go and do something that is making you more approachable and more appealing to your fan base. For us, like our fan base is pretty wide, right? Like you, you get people that are like, we talk about it sometimes, right? Like we'll play Sussex County and you'll have the most diehard Republican with a giant Q on the back of his pickup truck. And he's like, I don't care much from George Michael, but the way you play George Michael really is awesome. And you're like, that's really cool. And then you'll have some goth kid, you know, with his boyfriend show up and they're like, you are fucking fantastic. And that's all at the same show. While everybody's sitting there watching a band, people aren't complaining about whether or not they're Republican, Democrat or whatever. Right. I don't give a shit. You're here to see me. You want to go and see it. I'm going to be appealing to both of you. And at the end of the day, we all just took three hours of our lives where we weren't miserable and fighting with each other for once. So hey, we bring bring worlds together, you know, like, uh, and that's sort of what we try to do image wise, you know, like if I if somebody meets me on the street, they think I'm, uh, you know, like it, when I'm in band attire, they they might think that like, hey, this guy looks like he's a redneck. And it's like, but yeah, I'm a redneck. But I also am like, fairly liberal in my life, you know, like, <laughs> but I don't give a shit when I'm playing a ba- in a band, you know? Yeah. So, so I talk the taboo topic. <laughs> so you guys are uh playing out and stuff is there any any thoughts plans or anything of of recording or doing any original music or is it just going to be shows doing the cover stuff so right now i mean we're talking about trying to get into a studio and record uh, this stuff especially like there is talk about this winter doing some original stuff as like a separate project my um, my booking agency is it, it they they primarily want us for the cover shows and honestly like the response we're getting from everything we've done recently has been so great it's like do i want to do an original project i miss doing originals but at the same token it's like i'm having a really fun time playing with this group of guys and ladies you know like it's just um it's tough i I think we we keep getting asked if we have a cd out of our covers because like yeah, they're covers, but they're all reworks of the songs, you know? Right. I, like, I never wanted to be in a straight cover band. My dad was in a straight cover band for the, my entire life. And it, while it's awesome, I, I totally, like, give props to a band that's able to pull that off. I could not live with myself doing that. I, li- I like fucking with music. But so I, I think really for us, like, we fall within a parody law. So, like, Weird Al can cover people's songs and not have a problem. I just got to pay for the royalties. So this summer is uh, is my, you know, filling my purse so I can actually do that and then maybe put out like a, a, a record of like 13 or 14 songs. Right now, though, we're, we're like we're booked all the way through, I want to say October. So we're playing Bike Week down in 
in Maryland in Ocean City at Secrets, which is a crazy, crazy venue. We're doing that. And then the night, the day after that, playing like a, uh, <laughs> like a yacht club type restaurant in, uh, in Chesapeake, Maryland. And then I, I think we're going to be in New York City in October. That's not finalized yet. I'm really hoping that works. And then, uh, oh, I'm also playing Chowda Fest in LBI at the beginning of October. So, I mean, like we're, we're all over the place, but it's good. I wish we were more local. I know we were talking about coming back to Sussex County. We just played up here for the first time in like a year at the, uh, what was that? The, the brick, and uh, brew. brick and Brew. Yeah. So it's like, we played Brick and Brew and it was, uh, it was awesome. Like the place was hopping. I uh, like, I've never seen the place so, so packed and neither a day. So it's, uh, it's all good. I think that, you know, we're, we're making a name for ourselves everywhere. So I think it's uh, it's on the right path at this point. Yeah, I wish I could have made it to that show. But what with working till 2 a.m., that doesn't not conducive yeah. to being able to go do things. Yeah, no, no. So I, I get in that argument with my friends' bands because they're like, hey, you know, can you come out and see me? And I'm like, no, man, I'm working till 2 a.m. because I'm playing my own show. <laughs> so, like, you know, like I want to see lots of music. I also do like a bunch of solo stuff in, in New York. Like I do, uh, I'm probably going to be doing Rocky horror again. Uh, I usually play uh meatloaf, right. but um, like I, I do a bunch of stuff um, for a, prom- a promoter in New York by the name of Michael T who's, he's awesome. Uh, he's like a, a David Bowie, like he, he does all just David Bowie stuff. And he puts together these David Bowie nights and, um, and usually they're like David Bowie and, or David Bowie and Elvis. Um, he does like a birthday party for David Bowie and Elvis because they share the same birthday. So like uh, I'll end up singing like an Elvis tune or a David Bowie tune. And they get a bunch of musicians from all over New York that, from like popular bands. Like I was just playing with the dude who's uh, he's like a Broadway guy, Joey Calaveri. And he was in like, what the hell is the name of that freaking uh, the, the musical that was like hair bands. He was in that. He was in the Million Dollar Quartet, too, which is like uh, an Elvis uh, musical that came out a couple of years ago. Like, there's a bunch of Broadway guys that do the thing. And it's like, it's fun. I play in front of a lot of people that don't necessarily know who the hell we, who, who I am. But at the end of the day, like, it's good publicity. It sends people to to my shows for this. So it's cool stuff. Now, the only other thing that I have to ask you is sort of the, the signature uh, signature question of the show, which is how do you feel about the current state of where the music industry as a whole is, where people don't really buy music anymore? They'd really rather do the Spotify thing or, mm-hmm. or people are still doing illegal downloading a bit, but probably not as much since since you know streaming has become more commonplace and it says well you know i don't have to buy music bands make all their money playing shows anyway so what i gotta pay for music for and then on the on the reverse side of that i was i was saying to uh somebody on the show recently from from like a industry perspective you also have like if you're if you're signed to a label and all that shit you've got the the label doing those those 360 deals where like now they just want a piece of everything that you do instead of just the record sales you know yeah. and so it's this weird situation where where they're, they're trying to you know on the, from the industry side they're trying to figure out more ways to make money because nobody buys music anymore is really what it comes down to <laughs> right I, well you know it's 
So the music industry sort of went backwards, right? Like if you look at the night from being in a rockabilly band for or psychobilly band for a long time, like the, I learned a lot about rockabilly in the early musicians that did all this shit, right? Like it wasn't until like the fifties that people started buying other than singles, right? Like you would listen to shit on the radio, which was free. They would buy a record and that record would have one song on each side, right? It wasn't like, Hey, I've got, 15 songs on a record yeah and what we've done now is sort of gone back to that right like you can listen to a song on fucking tiktok right and you're like wow this song's awesome and i can just keep going back to that song over and over and over again like when i was fucking recording songs off my uh my radio you know onto a blank max l you know tape yeah yeah. and trying to time it right so, I mean, like it, the record industry has gone back to sort of that like single mentality, right? Like you're going to make money off of a single, not an album. And that money that you're going to make is probably going to be from views and ads. And it, and it's a sad state of affairs. I mean, I still like picking up a record, you know, like picking up or, you know, a CD or whatever, a download. Uh, one of one of my uh, my friends just put out a record and it's fucking killer. Uh, this guy Sasquatch, Sasquatch and the Sickabillies. They he put out a new record and he gave a lot of time and effort into it, and it is a solid fucking, just solid country record. I want to say country, but it's like it's it's psychobilly record, but it's just really solid. And there are still musicians doing it. They're not making money from it. Most of the bands that are making money are doing it off of touring and they're doing it off of t-shirt sales and advertising that, and like, I don't know, from a perspective of a musician, it sucks, right? Like I totally agree. The industry sucks, but it's what the people want, right? The people think that music just is going to exist and that they can get it whenever they want it because it's at the, at the tip of your fingers now on your phone. Well, you want, like when I'm driving in a car, if I want to hear a record, I go to YouTube and I'm not going to bother paying for YouTube bread. I'm going to go and put, bring up the album. I'm going to plug my phone into my car and I'm going to listen to that album with ads, every freaking two songs and, uh, or, or every song. And I'm going to hit skip ad. But at the end of the day, there's some advertiser making a ton of money. And the artist is making pennies on the dollar. You know, I still get, ro- I get, sometimes I'll get ASCAP money from, um, from some of my downloads and stuff from Omega men stuff or from tombstone brawler stuff. And it's like, Ooh, I made 10 cents off of all my Spotify plays. That's awesome. How many plays was that? And I'm like, Oh God, I was making a fraction of a penny. So like, again, like it does happen that you make money, but it's like, you're making just pennies unless you're like freaking billy eilish who no who's awesome i'm not going to talk shit about billy eilish but i mean i'll talk shit about a billy eilish but uh you know it, it just sucks because but billy eilish is making money not just from her downloads but because she's playing big stadium tours she's also selling a ton of merchandise she's probably might making money off of some kind of deal that she was you know talking up somebody's product you know, that's the way that people make money in the music industry. Now it's more of like, it's turned into uh turned into NASCAR, right? Like where you're a NASCAR driver and you've got this guy's sticker on your car. Well, you're, you're making money because that sticker on your car, you know, that, that sticker is advertisement. And now musicians have become a source of slapping stickers on them. Yeah. I, it's a, it, I, I'm not happy about it. 
I'm hoping that the industry will change, but I don't foresee that ever happening. Uh, not in my lifetime, at least. I mean, granted, like, sure, people in my parents' <laughs> generation said the same shit. They were like, we're going to be playing these bars for hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars every night. And we're going to be packed. And now there's like 10 people showing up at a show, you know? But I mean, it does happen still that there's good live music that people pay money for. And, you know, hopefully there's not somebody skimming a ton of money off the top, especially right. with like giant concert venues and stuff. It's like the, the, the fees, man, the fees that they throw on top of those tickets. It's like, how much do you think the band is actually seeing from that ticket sale? You know, I just saw that about that whole, uh, what the hell's the name? Bruce Springsteen, thing. you know, like people fucking went ape shit when they were seeing the, uh, the price of those tickets. And it's like, great. Yeah. You got a bunch of rich people seeing a, seeing a concert, you know, like that's why if you, uh, I don't know if you know about Billy Joel, like Billy Joel, he did that whole string of concerts in Madison Square Garden. Uh, hey, I know I'm on a metal show talking about fucking Billy Joel, but <laughs> Billy Joel, I got to give the guy fucking credit. He never sold the first two two uh, two rows of cre- of tickets. So what he would do is he would have people go to the fucking nosebleeds to the people that were pay- the the fans that were paying forty or fifty bucks for a ticket, and he would be like, "Hey, you guys get to come down to the front row." Because he knows that if he goes and puts those tickets on sale for Madison Square Garden, that first two rows is going to be nothing but rich people with their uh, their side piece who are going to pay no attention to fucking Billy Joel. And they're going to be like, hey, baby, look, I got his front row tickets to see Billy Joel. You like that? You know, like, no, he's going to get the guys up in the top row who are like, I'm going to see Billy Joel. This is fucking killer. We just got asked to play the like sit in the front row. We get to go and do like those guys are going to be excited. You know, like that's as a musician, like I, I have played to both crowds, right? I've played to the stuck up like rich people that could care two fucking shits about you but they're throwing hundred dollar the hundred dollar bills into your tip bucket but then there's the other guys that show up like i play a lot of jersey shore stuff so i get those right like i get the big spender a hundred dollar bill guy that's putting stuff in my tip bucket i also get the family that's there who like they showed up they're paying out their fucking ass for a dinner but they went to this place because not only was there like good food at it, but there's also like us playing and they're at the end of the day, they're like, Hey, you know, like, I just want to tell you like what you guys are doing is fucking awesome. And then I start playing a show in Sussex County and that same family that was on vacation at the shore just drove an hour from like Bergen County to go and see me playing fucking a pizza place in Sussex County, you know, like, the, I, I value that. And I think the most musicians aren't in it for the money at this point, the money's good, right? Right. Like that. I can't do it without the money, but at the end of the day, like, I think most of the music that, that you and I both like, right. Like awesome metal bands, awesome fucking punk bands, awesome rock bands. Like they at this point, they are doing what they need to survive in this shitty fucking environment while simultaneously like really focusing on on like just what they love doing you know like you any of these bands man you go to see them and they are having like they are really into it and unless you're like 
I don't know, fucking who, who, the, who just got back together to go and play a reunion tour so they could go and pay for their retirement. You know, like those bands are the only bands that I watch that I'm like, oh, this is so sad. But I also know that you just got fucked by a record label and thought you would live your entire life on on royalties like Guns N' Roses. I think that I just saw a video of Axl Rose singing and he's like, <laughs> it's, it's like no, no clear words, just a lot of no, 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 no. And it's like, Axel, you poor son of a bitch, <laughs> you know, like you guys thought this would live forever, like that you'd just be able to go and ride this out. And the music industry is just totally fucked you. And like it, the first people that happened to was the guys from the fifties. Now it's happened to the guys from the eighties. And, um, and it's really sad. And that's who I really feel for, right? Like people that who were in that scene for so long, like the people that are doing it now, they, they figured out ways to go and like make money and move and shake. So that way they can make some money. Those guys from the 80s, the 70s, like they're going out and they're going and doing these giant nostalgia tours. And that's the only way that they can actually put bread in their jar. Or they sit there hoping and praying that somebody on fucking Netflix is going to put their goddamn song in a fucking scene. So that way they can go and put ads all over a YouTube video while I watch Running Up That Hill or or Master of Puppets. You know, like that's that's how people are making money. So. Yeah, yeah or, you, or you keep seeing, I keep uh, seeing the things of 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 bands that were, you know, bigger, you know, back in, you know, another time, that are just selling off their their catalog to someone for yeah. however much, and it seems to be pretty large figures to do that, but that, oh, yeah. you know, like that seems to be a thing that's going on now as well. Yeah, I mean, but the other thing is like a lot of those catalogs, they weren't owned primarily by the artists, right? Like. So I always go back to those 50s guys, right? One of them was Dick Dale, right? Dick Dale, king of the fucking surf guitar, right? Guy wrote Mersey Lou. It's the song from fucking Pulp Fiction, that song, you know? Okay. So guy writes that song, fucking songs in Pulp Fiction. That, like, he did tons of shit. Five years ago, that dude was playing, like, Brooklyn Bowl, so he could go and afford his cancer treatments. And it's like, dude, you made tons of money off this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I did, but I really didn't because my record label took most of the money and the deal I signed in the fifties really sucked. Right. It wasn't until now that like these labels started realizing like, Hey, I could capitalize on way more. Right. So now they're signing those, those three sixty deals. Right. Because they know that like, Bands from the 80s, right? Like, think about the Misfits, right? The Misfits, I guarantee they make more money off of fucking stickers and t-shirts than they make off of an album, right? Hands down. Because how many people buy a fucking Misfits t-shirt from, like, Hot Topic or some shit, and they have never heard a Misfits song other than, like, Last Caress, right? Like, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the, the way it goes, right? Like, and, it, and we're lucky if they heard Last Caress. They're just going to wear it because it's a cool skull guy, you know? And, uh, and same thing with like Metallica now, like, <clears throat> like master of puppets is huge at this exact moment. Again, like yeah, they had to just put a fucking music video out for a song that's 20, 30 years old, you know, or might be even closer to 40, but yeah, it's just, uh, the, like these guys in the eighties, they signed deals thinking that they would get tons of money and it's just not, it's not happening.
yeah. it's not forever. You know, you strike while the iron's hot. Like I know we were talking about Ghost Talk at the beginning of this thing. So we did that show at Ghost Talk with Frankie Goes to Dollywood and somebody recorded us playing Safety Dance. And Ivan, the the singer for uh, Men Without Hats, <laughs> the guy who wrote that fucking song, actually commented on the video, shared the shit out of it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Saw the guy was putting out a new album. He's going on tour. And it's like, yeah, the guy's like probably doing it out of the back of a car. You know, like that's fucking crazy. Like, think about like that video is iconic. And like this guy is traveling in probably a van, you know, like he's not on a tour bus like it was 40 years ago. But I'm sure that he's going to play to a nice big crowd every night because everybody wants to hear fucking safety dance. But that's just the way it's working now. But then again, they also have acts like Blondie and The Damned who are still able to go and do arena shows. Right. Or like at least larger shows like Brooklyn Waterfront and stuff like that. And um, like they they just played last Friday or last Thursday and they're able to go and cram a show. But I don't know how those guys are living their lives. You know, I don't know whether or not they're, you know, living in a modest house with, uh, you know, have with no uh, servitude or anything taking care of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I know I've seen Debbie Harry in the Lower East Side. <laughs> she looks like a normal human being but yeah i mean i don't think anybody's making tons and tons of money anymore uh, and those people that are making tons and tons of money they're making tons of money right now but that shit is that ship is going to sail very 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 quickly right nothing lasts forever <laughs> no no it does not and uh yeah i think i like looking at all these guys it's just yeah i mean like you're always going to have the people that will always make a ton of money right like but they they learned a long time ago that it's it is the 360 that's making them money, right? Like Kiss, I fucking Kiss is the the one band that'll do that. They, they, what did they say? If they, if it can say Kiss on it, they want it to say Kiss on it. You right. know, like you can buy your Kiss coffin, you can buy your Kiss underwear and your Kiss mug and your Kiss you know poosh ball. And the same thing with like a lot of these bands. Like that's that's how they're like. Ozzy, you know, like all these guys, man, like they, they made a ton of money off of merchandise. They make a ton of money off of television deals. They make a ton of money off of all this stuff. They're not making money off of albums and they're like, their music is their, their way to go and make that money. Yeah. Just sucks. <laughs> Why did you have to end this on a, on a sour note like this? Oh, well, normally I would ask you what's next, but I asked you that already. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Um, yeah, no. What's next? I've got tons of sh- tons of shows going on, and uh, and hopefully putting out a record. Going to record a new video, uh, probably over the winter time. And uh, we just did a photo shoot, so there's going to be some new photos coming up. Uh, and that's it. That's that's about all. Well, you know, hopefully I can get to see you guys again in the area. I mean, I'm sure that the opportunity will present itself, but hopefully I'll get to see you guys in the area soon but at the same time hopefully not too soon as far as the fact that like i said i'm i'm busy the next two months so if you're yeah, playing yeah. something in the area the next two months i'm not going to be around <laughs> yeah we were we were talking about making it up here like bi-monthly so like like every other month not not twice a month but yeah. um yeah i mean i think we're probably gonna be back in the area in like either october or november so we'll be around i mean like we're we're just playing everywhere else at this moment you guys ever played that place? I only went there once. The uh, Skylands Craft Brew over in no, Sussex. 
we used to play so like we were doing a lot of the um like we used to do milk street a bunch the problem with like i love playing those places the problem is like the pay right right? and i hate to be that guy right like that's the last thing i want to do but at the end of the day like i gotta i gotta i gotta pay my bills right you know like uh and and that's that's the the big like they can hire a guy at um at skylands to go and do like an acoustic act to a two-piece and they're going to pay them 400 bucks you know on the high end and they're paying them 400 bucks each guy is walking away with 200 bucks i'm a five-piece band right you know like <laughs> okay everybody we're playing for 80 dollars. oh and i also got to pay my agent that 15 percent you know like so hey everybody we're, we're playing a, a three-hour gig for 60 bucks which 20 dollars an hour doesn't sound bad except for the fact that there was fucking 20 hours of rehearsal that led up to that three hour set that you're playing. Right. So, you know, plus the fact like we, we do tour and stuff. So when we're doing like these mini tours, I'm, I gotta pay for hotel rooms. I gotta pay for gas, fucking gas, you know, like I, I gotta pay for all this stuff and I gotta pay for meals and stuff. So a lot of these places. So it's like, I gotta sort of make my money back. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner. Like I know that people don't think of it, right? Like I am a small business owner. A, a band is a small business. It has to operate like that. And I fucking hate every piece of business. Uh, that's why I hired a good accountant to just take care of it. And I just save all my fucking receipts and go here, figure it out. You know, like I, um, I, I'm a horrible business person, which is why I've hired people to be business people for me. And again, that, that costs money, but at the same token, it allows me to have a lot of fun and play in front of the most amount of people and, uh, and hopefully get fans along the way. That is a better place to end it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate, uh, you know, you, uh, your time and, uh, getting up, getting up early for me today. Oh, hell yeah, and, man. Uh, Three o'clock. So yeah, this was a good morning. <laughs> I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah, Enjoy see, working. I, I was gonna say I wish I could do that. I I I made the mistake. We 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 scheduled this, and then I made the mistake of requesting overtime on top of it. Oh, nice. uh, so instead of being having to be to work at four thirty, I have to be to work in less than an hour. Yeah, yeah. Good so. good luck with that, sir. I am gonna go and uh, hopefully it stopped raining, so I can go and do like manual labor in my yard. But if not, <laughs> it's gonna be me sleeping. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell looking out the window through the screen and the fan running if it's still raining, but it's definitely still gloomy as fuck outside. Yeah, it is gloomy. It is gloomy. And I hope it's raining because I don't feel like fucking busting my ass anymore. I busted my ass enough this weekend. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, you enjoy whatever it is that the, the, the rest of your day has in store. And thank you for your time. And thanks for being on the show. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll see you in the future, man. Hope to see uh, some of your fans out there, too.
And from the soundtrack to the movie Die You Zombie Bastards, that was the Tombstone Brawlers with Die You Zombie Bastards. I want to thank Chris for being on the show and apologize again for how long it's taken to get this out. But again, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. If you want to follow what Chris is doing, you want to follow his current project, Frankie Goes to Dollywood, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Frankie Goes to Dollywood and on Twitter at FGT Dollywood. You can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Still have that, what is that thing? <laughs> Still have that TikTok that I don't do a whole lot with. And don't forget, we also have a Patreon if you are so inclined to subscribe to that. I would appreciate it. Don't forget, guys, if you believe in supporting music the way I do by buying it, then don't forget to follow Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter at Industry Embers, and make sure to tweet or post your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. Now, as for what is next for the show, as always, got some feelers out there for some upcoming interviews. As I mentioned before, Charlie is uh, getting more involved, although Charlie did not appear on this episode. Charlie is more involved generally in the show and has also been reaching out for interviews. Might have something coming of that very soon, so keep an eye and an ear out. And, you know, that's about it. Sorry for the gap in content. I always try to avoid that, which is why I had recorded this back in August to avoid a gap in content, and then I was so busy in October, I wasn't able to get it out. But here we are. It's out. And more to come, as always. So, we're going to do something a little bit different for the final song. And the reason for that is that the different music that Chris puts out is available on different platforms. So, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you're going to get a song by the Omega Men. We'll do the opening track from their album I Am Become Death called Robo Love. And if you're listening to this on anything other than the J Bunny's Music Hub Spotify channel, then I am going to play for you the Frankie Goes to Dollywood cover of the song Take On Me by AHA, which is available for free download at the band's website, which is frankiegoestodollywood.com. So, again, a little bit different, different songs if you're listening on different platforms, but, you know, always trying something new. Hope you guys enjoy what you hear, and see you next time. <laughs> 